0: You can turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke's chapter 1 and 2, and we're going to be doing a little bit of a cross section there. But I want to speak to you about the true spirit of Christmas. If you've been traveling around, uh, Connie and I were over at uh, Delamo Fashion Center and wandering around yesterday, and I survived, which was very nice. But people have a lot of different understandings of what the true spirit of Christmas is, you know, if you're one of those people that watches Christmas movies and, you know, we kind of run the Hallmark Channel, it's about the only thing you can watch anymore, but uh, Scrooge was supposedly a spirit of Christmas, but he was a ghost, right? If you talk to people around America right now, the, the spirit of Christmas for some people comes in a bottle. Uh, it, it about $75 million worth of it at Christmas time. For some, uh, the spirit of Christmas is kind of a truce that happens in their family because everybody has to be nice to each other because Christmas has come. There are a lot of different meanings of the spirit of Christmas. I, I love what one little boy suggested. He, he said the spirit of Christmas is really contentment because that's what you need when you don't get what you want. There are a lot of different ideas about what the spirit of Christmas is. Uh, here in America, we're, we're famous around the world. We send out, believe it or not, the average uh, for our nation at this time of year is about 5 billion Christmas cards. 5 billion with a B. There's only 360 million of us, so you do the math. That's a lot of Christmas cards expressing sentiment. For some people, it's a spirit of happiness. For other peoples, it's festivity and turkey and ham and feasting, much like Thanksgiving represents to many. Uh, for some, as Miranda was sharing, for some, it's, it's profound sadness. It's hurt, it's difficulty. I, I can tell you in my own life, growing up, Christmas was not one of those holidays that I looked forward to. My parents split up when I was about 11 years old, and it happened at Christmas time. And so, Christmas to me represented something that was very, very painful for many years. And for many people, the spirit of Christmas can be the spirit of sadness. And so, I want to look at what the re- real spirit of Christmas is. G.K. Chesterton said this He said, When we were children, we were grateful to those who filled our stockings with toys at Christmas. But why are we not grateful to the one who fills our stocking with legs? Sometimes we look at Christmas as though it's something that we're going to receive. And I think the Christmas story actually tells us a little different spin on what the real spirit of Christmas is. Uh, These folks have Christmas spirit, that's for sure. It's a different kind of Christmas spirit, and I was looking through this. I went through a bunch of photographs, kind of looking at different houses and how they were decorated, but there's about everything you can imagine in there. There, There's there's Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's, and there's reindeer and Santa and everybody else, but is the real spirit of Christmas found in there anywhere? If you turn to your Bibles, let's look first here in verse 41 of Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to look very briefly at about seven different people here. And let's find out what the continuous theme, the real spirit is in the lives of these seven people. If you look there in verse 41, and it shows us first Elizabeth, and then when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out in a loud voice. She said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? There's a a woman whose reaction is really in the spirit of Christmas if you look at verse 67 we find yet uh, another uh, guy his name is Zacharias notice what it says there in verse 67 of Luke chapter 1 and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying blessed is the Lord of Israel for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us the house of David you notice the exclamations they're making. It's, blessed are we. Do you you see the outward nature of what spirit uh, is going on in their lives? If you move over to chapter 2 to verse 13, look at the next group that we see here. And suddenly to the shepherds there appeared an angel same one who made the original announcement, by the way, and a heavenly multitude was praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among, we- among men in whom he is well pleased. And so there in adoration, there in praise, down to verse 20, look at the next group, it's the shepherds. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as it had been told them. Verse 25 of chapter 2, Simeon is there. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. And for him, he was looking towards the consolation of Israel. And the Spirit was upon him. And it continues onward. And the Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that the Spirit, he wouldn't see death until the Lord's Spirit had come. He says, Why does your bondservant depart? Why don't we depart in peace? And he goes on, Glory to God, the peace of Israel. There's this continuous theme. Do you see it? Verse 36. Look at Anna. The daughter of Phanuel, there, the tribe of Asher. This is an older woman, advanced in age. She only lived with her husband for seven years, and her husband passes away. But she has not ceased serving the Lord the whole of her life, praising God. You see, when you look through this group of people, you find a consistent theme. Every last one of these people, even the angels, are worshiping the Lord. The true spirit of Christmas is worship, it's praise, it's adoration. It is Godward, it's not manward, it's not us getting anything, it's what's already been given to us, and we're praising God for it. Too many people are looking to get something out of God at Christmas time. We already got the best gift. (laughs) We're not going to be able to top the one that's already been given. And so, what does this do in our lives when you think about the true spirit of Christmas being the attitude of worship? And by the way, you could throw in there in Matthew chapter 2 the wise men who came. What did they come to do? Worship the Lord. You see, the Christmas story, the true spirit of it, is not about all the things that seem to attract our attention in our modern world. It's Godward. It's the attitude of worship. It's the supreme time of worship. It's an attitude. It's inward. It's not something that happens to us. It's something that we do towards God. We recognize what we've received, and our hearts are lifted towards heaven because of it. It's an attitude of wonder. We lose ourselves in it. We adore the Lord. Oh, come let us adore Him. Amen? Those Christmas songs are worship songs, family of God. We kind of skip over them. I I remember growing up in the Baptist church, You know, you kind of got to know, it's like, okay, it's the third Sunday of the month. That's always the the one where we do He Lives. You could run down through a list of songs. And I think many Christians do the same thing with Christmas music. And we don't see it for what it is. It is worship. It is adoration of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who was and is and is to come. The one who is our Emmanuel, God with us. It's worship, and in fact, when we see Mary's response, and I want to focus in on this. If you turn back to chapter one of Luke's gospel, we're going to see Mary, who, in effect, writes a worship song for us. Beautiful passage. And if we could put it to words, I, I'm not sure you can put this passage to words or to music, but I, I believe that someone should try. Mary, don't you know, comes along in kind of that vein. But notice what it says, verse 47. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. Do you see anything in there that Mary's looking towards Something she's going to receive. Now she's focused outward. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me as blessed. Count her as blessed. She is blessed. We are blessed. We are the redeemed of the Lord. As I was driving in a couple hours ago, heading towards the church, and I'm, I'm watching kind of the traffic flowing back towards, you know, towards Hawthorne, towards the mall. You know, you can kind of, did you notice the looks on people's faces today? Those ones who are still trying to figure out, you know, those last minute gifts. And again, I'm not knocking anyone's shopping habits. I'm simply saying there's not a lot of joy looking at those faces. There wasn't a lot of adoration that I was seeing there. It was more like that scowl like, "I hope no one gets in my way." I'm pretty sure that's not the Christmas spirit that you're seeing there. Look at what's going on in Mary's life. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is His name. It's outward. It's back towards the Lord. She's not going, "God, give me something else." Yet you've already given me the greatest gift. And His mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear Him. For He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. And He sent away the rich empty-handed. And He has given help to Israel, His servant in remembrance of His mercy, and He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to His offspring forever. It's just this incredible worship song. She's praising God. See, God has done these things. You see, as you look at this incredible passage of Scripture, I want you to see just four things. Four things that you can take with you. From here, back to your home. Back to your Christmas celebrations. Four things that I believe transcend what have become uh, our, our understanding sometimes of Christmas. And look, I love Christmas traditions. I really do. I think it's just a wonderful time for family. And so please don't be dismayed. Maybe your Christmas celebration doesn't look quite like someone else's. That's not the point. These things have nothing to do with our own individual ways that we celebrate and how that's distinct maybe from your next door neighbor. I was driving earlier this week and I went down a street and it was in the middle of the day and I'm looking at all these houses that are completely covered with Christmas lights and you can kind of see what it would look like at night and I'm thinking to myself you know this is a wonderful thing many of them were proclaiming Jesus but during the day is kind of the truth isn't it All the lights and stuff aren't on. You know, sometimes we paint things up really well, only to have what's underneath them not really be as joyful as we paint it. And I want you to see four attitudes, four things about Mary's worship. The first of which was the the worship of Jesus, the worship of our Savior, the worship of Emmanuel is first internal. Your worship, my worship, this time of year has nothing to do with what we're going to get. It has nothing to do with the way we're going to celebrate. It has everything to do with your heart and mine. Where we are with the Lord. Notice it says there, my soul exalts the Lord. It magnifies the Lord. It is an internal thing that's already happened with Mary. It's not something that's coming to her, it's something that's already come. There's joy in her heart. Her Christmas celebration is internal, which places it out of the realm of, of the world being able to destroy it and beat it down. And the words that are used here in the original language, spirit, and the way it's phrased here, it, it, it's talking about more than just our minds. It's our will is engaged. Our, our emotions are engaged. The very depth of our soul, our being is engaged in worshiping the Lord. I want to challenge you to look, to look at the Christmas songs that we sing as worship songs. Oh, come let us adore Him. He was born the King of, of angels he's over the angels still the babe in the manger but the absolute Lord of heaven and earth you see it's a deep thing and what happens in Mary's life should happen in our lives as, as this word exalts is used it's tough to translate it actually into English and it really doesn't translate well into a single word but maybe I can help you. It's very much, I don't know how many of you have been to a, an orchestra. And especially before the orchestra begins to play, usually an hour or so at least, they will begin to warm up. And as they're warming up, everybody is getting their instrument in tune and, and they're, they're joining together. And it sounds absolutely hideous. It's like, it's just all over the map. They're warming up their fingers, they're warming up their strings, they're warming up their woodwind instruments, they're warming, warming up the brass section. They're getting everything warm. They're even over there on the timpanis kind of playing around and doing whatever. And you listen to it it's like, oh my goodness, that is awful. And then all of a sudden the conductor steps to the platform. And with one downbeat, the entire orchestra is brought together And they begin to get on a single page, and that page is one single place on the piece. And all of a sudden, the beauty of the whole orchestra comes together. That's what's happening with Mary. Everything about her has come together to worship the Lord every element of her inner self, all of those things that she is, her emotions, her heart, her mind, her gifts, her body, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all come together at that one place of worshiping the Lord. And that music pours out of her heart back to God. It's deeply internal. It's not superficial. Superficial. It's not just with her lips. It wasn't something she did. It was something she was that had to come out of her. It's Godward. It's out of her soul. It's out of our soul. It's not about coming to church. It doesn't have to happen here. Praise God that it can happen here. But worship is internal within the worshiper. It comes from our hearts to the Lord and it is the symphony of your life being played back to Jesus. A second thing. It's intense. Notice what it says. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now, well, Maybe that doesn't grab you, but the original word there that is used uh, for magnifies is actually a compound greek word it's megaluno and the reason that's important to use the the prefix mega amplifies whatever follows it it's like it's this mega thing that's happening and we get that we understand when we say well it's got super mega bass you know yeah, everybody's got like now headphones that can make your head explode <laughs> because it's super mega something This is the same thing. It's intense. It magnifies the Lord. It's whatever was in there before has been turned up to ten. And now it's just exploding back to God. What she's doing is exalting the Lord in a way that's the most magnificent that can possibly come from her. When we sing unspeakable joy, it's unspeakable because it's mega joy. When we say we're overjoyed, it's the same principle. It's like you have regular joy and then mega joy. You're overjoyed. You see, the worship of the Lord, the worship of Jesus, the reason that we're here today, that worship should be intense. It shouldn't be something, well, you know, yeah, Christmas is about Jesus you talk to some Christians, you almost wonder whether they actually believe what they're saying or not. It should be intense. It should be, man, it's Jesus' birthday. Christ came to this earth. It captured her mind. It transferred to her emotions. And then it just simply erupted with intensity. She couldn't hold it in. It got to her head, went to her heart, and she's like, man, I have to praise the Lord. It's not about coming to church and, oh, well, we're going to sing. No, it's something that's inside that can't wait to explode to outside. It comes out of us. Exact opposite is exactly what the prophet Malachi was talking about in Malachi chapter one. Basically, he was saying to the children of Israel, Look, you, you bring me your nearly dead animal for a sacrifice. I want your best. Give me everything that you have. You see, at Christmas time, the real spirit of Christmas should be internal and it should be intense. We need to be giving God back what, what He has already placed in there. It's that joy that should just be bursting out of us. I was wandering around the house this morning and kind of taking a little bit of time before I was going to sit and pray over my notes. And I'm just like whistling and humming. And finally, Connie told me, man, you're weird. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm, I'm in the Christmas spirit. It just was one of those things. It was coming out. I couldn't help myself. It was irrepressible. We use that term. It's like it can't be kept in. No matter what you would do, I'm hum- I, I'm gonna hum. Christmas. You tell me I can't whistle. I'm gonna hum. I can't hum. I'm gonna kind of tap on things. The tempo of some worship song to the Lord that's about Christmas. The third thing, the worship of Jesus, the worship that we ought to have at Christmas time is habitual. My soul, do you see it? My soul exalts the Lord, Mary said. It wasn't just her mind, it wasn't because it was December 25th, it didn't just come up on the calendar. It was habit because it was in her. She couldn't forget about it. How many of you have ever forgot your own birthday? Anybody over 60, keep your hand down. (laughs) No, you don't forget your own birthday. Why is that? You know when you were born. You see, we should have the habit of worshiping Jesus. True worship becomes a way of life. If you love the Lord, it comes out of you. Internally, it comes intensely, and it's also habitual. You can't stop from doing it. Why is that? Let me give you some ideas. Because he never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ isn't going to fail you. Salvation isn't all of a sudden going to be about works next week. It is something that's habitual because we have been saved by grace through faith. Amen. And so we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It can't be altered. So it should be intense, but it should also be habitual because you know what? That gift that you were given is always going to be there for you. So it should be a habit in your life. You know, some people are more habitual about picking up Starbucks than they are worshiping Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's like you'd be driving down the road and instead of singing worship songs, you go, man, you got your phone on and you're like, you're tracking all the Starbucks locations. Oh, that one's only three blocks away. You ought to be tracking where Christ is in your life. It ought to become such a habit that you worship Jesus that every day of the year, you're wandering around. people think you are weird. What are you singing about? What's that song? What's in your heart? Why are you like that? Because my King has saved me. It should be a habit in us. And if it is a habit, here's what: it doesn't ebb and flow. Now, look, y'all, y'all know I, I love sports. I love playing sports. I love watching sports. Uh, I'm well, an addict. <laughs> but you know what? I don't love sports like I love Jesus. Now, sometimes when your team is doing what my team is doing right now, which is winning and then losing, and what are our Rams doing? They're just losing. <laughs> it's like your 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 love for the team kind of ebbs and flows a little bit, right? It's like one day you're like, oh man, they're awesome. And the next day it's like, oh, why don't we watch this stuff? If you really love Jesus, then it's such a deep habit that whether your life currently is on that winning streak or they're on that little losing streak or there's something going on, you see, if you really are habitual in worshiping the Lord, then it's not going to ebb and flow. It's not just going to be Sunday morning that you worship Jesus. It's not just going to be Thursday nights that you worship Jesus. It's not going to be only when you're sitting in front of your Bible that you worship Jesus. You're going to be worshiping Jesus all the time. Amen? And I would pray that we would do that. It just is. It is who we are. And so not only is it internal, and not only is it intense, and not only is it habitual, look at the fourth and the final thing. It's humble. Mary says about herself, how could he regard this humble handmaiden? There was nothing about Mary that caused God to pick her That was God's sovereign action. She wasn't the best of the best. Sometimes we put more on poor Mary than I'm sure she wants. You know, if this happened today, here's what would have happened. Hashtag, I'm mother of God. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. My son is the risen Lord. Lord. There'd be a little bumper sticker, my kid is God. That's what would happen in our world today. Look, the worship of Jesus is humble. Mary herself did not even regard her estate. She said, there's nothing about me. God has graced me to be the mother of Jesus. God's own son. And frankly, even our, even our smallest successes we kind of brag about as human beings, don't we? That's pretty crazy. I think it's one of the problems we struggle with in our culture. We give trophies for everything now. I got up today. Yay, trophy! <laughs> no. no! Mary humbly worshipped Her Lord. Christ was her Lord. She didn't view herself as the queen of heaven. She didn't view herself as having any part in redemption. From her perspective, she was a humble handmaiden that God graced. Our worship ought to be like that. God, I don't deserve anything you give me. I shouldn't even be able to know you, but because of grace through faith, I can. You know, sometimes we almost act like God owes us salvation. He doesn't owe us anything. He didn't owe us Jesus. That's why we should worship him humbly. There's nothing for us to text, there's nothing for us to tweet except Christ came. Those wise men were right in coming. You think about Mary. She, she, there's nothing in She doesn't even take notice of her own self. Much less want anybody else to notice. She's asking questions. How could God have even noticed her? Why would God be pleased with her? That place she was able to worship. You know, sometimes, because here's what happens. We get kind of prideful. Sometimes we we think like we're the best worshipers. More godly maybe than the person next to us. Brothers and sisters, in us dwells no good thing. And everything that God has given us has been an act of His amazing grace, His incredible love, the purity of who He is and not the goodness of who we are. Mary wasn't exalted above all other women in the sense that we like to think it. She was exalted in that she was being graced with more grace than any other woman on earth. She was given a a beauty that no one else would ever know. It wasn't that she was more worthy, she got heaped on by God's grace. It's, It's that inner work that happens with us, happens to us. You see, there was nothing to take credit for. So when you think about all those things, what's the true spirit of worship? It's Christmas. What's the true spirit of Christmas? It's worship. Those two things go together. When we sing our Christmas carols, You know, maybe you're like me, you kind of go through that list in your mind, you have your favorites. What child is this? Bring him incense, gold, myrrh, a peasant king. Think through those things. Hark the herald angels sing. Amen. But you see, it ought to be internal. It ought to be intense. It should be habitual. And it very definitely should be humble. It should bring us to our knees. And I pray for you for your Christmas. You see, if you worship the Lord like this, it takes care of all the things that we struggle with at Christmas. You see, you can do every bit of that with no tree. No presents. No money. You could do it with no home. That's the first Christmas story, isn't it? Mary and Joseph aren't even at their own place, which wasn't much anyway. They're in a manger. The whole story... Begs us to worship the Lord. John Francis Wade, who, who wrote come let, come let Us Adore Him, it was a worship song. It was never intended to be a Christmas song. It was a worship song. He was just simply writing about the Christmas story. Let's worship the Lord from inside. Let's worship the Lord with intensity. Let's worship the Lord habitually. And let's worship the Lord humbly. Amen? Amen? Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, when we think of the Christmas story, and we think of you sending your own son to this earth, to be born in a manger, to live out his life in the dusty streets of a, a little hamlet nestled in a little valley above the Sea of Galilee called Nazareth. Adina's parents would wander back and forth frequently to Jerusalem when we think about what you did for us to bring us the grace that we now live in, but we should be worshipers. And so, Father, we thank you that there was nothing about this whole story that the world would have held dear. The world looked at this and almost scoffed. But because of the way you came, Jesus... Every last person on this earth can relate to you. All of us are recipients of that same grace. Lord, there's not a special grace for the wealthy and a different kind of grace for the poor. There's not a special grace for those who live in affluence and a different one for those who have a home someplace that no one wants. Lord, the grace of the cross, the worship that we should have comes from within us and it flows back towards you, our Father of lights, who's in heaven. Jesus, you're our Savior, our Lord, our King, and we do worship you. And so, God, as we spend this next couple of days just celebrating the most wonderful time of the year, Lord, it is a time of worship, and we pray that we would have that incredible internal sense of it, that intensity that comes from the life that's been given to us by grace. Pray that you would cause us to do it habitually, not just at Christmas time. And Lord, that you would make it humble. God, we humbly honor you, Jesus, as our King, our Lord, our Savior. We bless your holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand?